Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. God's people said amen. You know, the book of Job introduces us to a, a man named Job. And in chapter number one, book of Job, we find out that he, he was from the land of Uz. And then it tells us some interesting things. Join me in chapter 1, book of Job. Tells us a few interesting things about this, this fellow Job. The Bible tells us this, that he was, he was perfect and upright. So what does that mean? That means that he was mature and his, his moral compass was, was calculated perfectly. And then it tells us this in chapter 1, in verse 1, that he feared God and eschewed evil. And that means this, talking about this fellow Job, that he was in a right, a, a right relationship with the Lord, and he kind of lived by principle. Right? Are you with me? And so the Bible tells us about this fellow Job, who apparently uh, was mature. He he kind of knew where he was going, had some morals about his life, uh, in a right relationship with God, and was living by principle. Pretty good, huh? And God blessed him. As a result of that, God blessed him. And you read down, if you, just a couple verses in verse number two, he had a large family. God blessed him with a large family. In fact, he has seven sons and three daughters. How about that? It's a pretty, pretty large family. And not only did God bless him with a large family, but God blessed him uh, with wealth. Because as you begin to read, I mean to tell you, he, he, he was loaded, you know? And, uh, and God took good care of him. But then the narrative changes. Because as you begin in verse number 6, uh, you begin to see things uh, not so much on earth, but now in heaven. It says, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So let me just set the scene uh, for you. The sons of God being the angelic host, they go to and fro throughout the earth, and then they come back and they, uh, they give a report to God, you know, as to all that's going on, as if he didn't know, Right? And in the midst uh, of, of that gathering is Satan. And the Lord strikes up conversation with him. In verse 7, the Lord said unto Satan, uh, where you been? And the devil says, Satan says, I've been, you know, going back and forth, you know, in the earth, trying to do as much damage as I possibly can trying to, you know, uh, knock people off course, so on and so forth. And the Lord says to him, uh, well, ha have you considered 
Have you considered my servant Job? Did you, did you see that? Look, look, look down a little bit if you would. Uh, in verse number, uh, verse number, uh, where are we at there? Uh, verse number eight, has thou considered my servant Job? And I like this. The Lord says this about him. There's none like him in the earth. How about that? There's none like him. And Satan says, oh yeah? And brings an accusation against Job. And here's the accusation. He says this to the Lord in response. They're having dialogue. And here's what he says. He says, uh, you, you blessed him. He's got a large family, and he's got a lot going on. You know, he's got significant wealth. And here's the accusation. The devil says this to the Lord. He says, uh, but if you remove all of that, he'll be like every other man, and he'll curse you to, to, to your face. I mean, it's right there. In other words, here's what the devil was saying. He was accusing Job of something that he probably seen because, you know, the devil tells lies, but there's some truth in some of those lies. And I think what he saw before is that there are some folk who just serve God, live for God, simply because of the blessings, you know? And so what the devil says to God is this, the only reason that Job is staying true and worshiping you is because you bless him. But take all that away, remove that hedge that you put about him, let me add him, <laughs> and I promise you, he'll be like every other man, and he'll walk away from you. And you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, well, let's see if that's true. Let's see if that's true. Look at verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only you can't touch him. You can't touch him. And so as, as the story unfolds in verse number 13 down through verse number 19, some devastating things happen in Job's life. Right? You've read the story. It begins by, it begins by Satan touching mm, his wealth. And I mean, just one thing after the other. In fact, uh, as one report is given, another report comes in. And in verse 16, 17, and 18, it begins with, while he was yet speaking. Do you see that? And so one messenger after the other shows up where Job's at and gives this devastating report of loss. And the very last thing uh, that happens is in verse number 18, 19, while he was yet speaking, he said, there come another and said, thy sons and daughters were eating and drinking in the elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind. Tornado came, devastated everything, house collapsed, and I'm the only one who survived. It's pretty devastating news, isn't it? And so just in a very short period of time, we don't know how long of an event this was, but Job loses everything. And I want you to notice the response of Job in verse 20. It says, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground. And say it with me. And he worshipped. And he worshipped. He worshipped. <laughs> the devil said, take everything away from him. Remove that hedge. Let me at him. 
And I promise you, he'll be, just, he'll, he'll, he'll be like every other man who would just walk away from you. Job loses everything, including his family, and he falls upon the ground, and he worships God. And then he says this. Here's his response. In fact, I want you to, if you mark up your Bible, if you take notes, I want you to put somewhere next to verse 21 in your notes the designation the, 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 the required or the destination desired. The destination desired. Because I want you to notice what happens here in verse 21. Job said, listen to these words, naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of of the Lord. Somebody say, wow. What? Wow. In all of this, the Bible says in verse 21, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Didn't blame God for any of it. He said, just bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You know, there was a Another fellow in the Bible who was acquainted with grief, who said the same. He came to the latter part of his life, and he composes a hymn. Bless the Lord, he said, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to give a list of some of the things, wonderful things. He begins with, who forgives all your sin, all thine iniquity. Did you ever read Psalm 103? We did a little Bible study here on Wednesday night out of Psalm 103. And then not only does he forgive all your sin, same verse, same context. He says, and heals all thy diseases. I think there's a connection there between sin and sickness. <laughs> right? In verse 5, Psalm 103, verse 5, he says, He satisfieth thy mouth with good things. And here, in his latter years, the psalmist is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Blessed be the Lord. In fact, in Psalm 150, in fact, you know, there's 150 Psalms. Psalm 150 is the last one. The last verse is verse 6. And the psalmist concludes with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's good, isn't it? Huh? There's a song that I enjoy singing. That's the title of it, God's Been Good. God's Been Good in My Life. Did you ever, did you ever hear that song? Flash it, fellas. I, I love the words. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. He said, and though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, because through it all, say it with me, God's been good. Do you feel that way this morning? Do you? God's been good. I like that song. And I think if you're around, if you're around Christianity for, for any length of time and if you have any, any age under your belt at all, 
you come to realize that praise and gratitude are intentional. Hold on to that for a second. Think about that with me. Praise and gratitude are intentional, deliberate. It doesn't just come natural. How many know what I'm talking about? It's intentional. You have to be deliberate when it comes to praise and gratitude. But if you think about it, praise and and gratitude, uh, they are the appropriate response to being blessed. Right? I I mean, we get blessed by God, and sometimes we get blessed by others, and the most appropriate, the most appropriate response is praise and gratitude. In fact, if you think about it, praise and gratitude is the recognition of grace bestowed upon us. And it's intentional. It's got to be intentional. You so say, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. We must think before we thank. Amen. We must ponder before we praise, and we must remember before we rejoice. Many years ago, i never forget this, as a young pastor, you know, looking maybe at my first or second Thanksgiving service, you know, I began to do some study and, and came up with this, this statement. It's an old Anglo-Saxon statement that says, in order to be thankful, you must be thankful. Right? And it kind of goes, there's a song that somebody composed many years ago where it says, count your blessings. Name them. And it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. And so I want you to hang on to this with me this morning, that praise and gratitude are intentional. And in order to be thankful, you must be thankful. In order to be praiseful, you must, be, you must ponder. In order to rejoice, you must remember. And I think that's so true. You know, when you turn into the New Testament, we're just going to pick through a few verses this morning. You begin to see, you begin to hear, you, you begin to see that some of the things that Jesus taught are recorded for us. And I know many times we, we like to know this. So, what did so-and-so say about that? Right? This morning I was sitting in my office and Brother Tony Coleman, one of our Connect class teachers, came in and said, he said, just the guys, me and Tyler were sitting here, just the guys I want to see. And he asked us a, a deep theological question. You know? And, uh, and I, I was lost. I said, Tyler, you better answer this one. And, uh, but, 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 but what he was saying is, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Right? And many times we'll do that. So what did pastor say about that? Or oh, what did your dad say about that? What's your mom think about this? Mm, a better question is, so what did Jesus say about that? Teach, what does Jesus teach about that? What has Jesus taught about that? And so the question may be this morning, speaking about praise and gratitude, what did Jesus have to say about that? And you'd be surprised when you look into the New Testament, Jesus said a lot about it. In fact, a couple of verses, John chapter number 11, verse 41, Bible says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. This is the story of Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, pay attention, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. 
very first thing he did, very first thing he did was gave praise and gratitude. I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Out of the life of Christ comes a situation in Matthew chapter 15, verse 36. The Bible says, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks. He gave thanks, break them, gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And so, when you, when you look at the life of Christ, you'll find that he expressed gratitude, often. But what you also see is this, he expected gratitude to be displayed. What did Jesus teach about praise and gratitude, thanksgiving? Well, many times what you see here is this. He expressed it, and then he expected it. But he didn't always get it. Are you with me? He didn't always get it. In fact, in that video there, there was a mention about the, the men named lepers, 10 of them, remember? Luke 17. And they come to Jesus, and Jesus heals them. Correct? And then in the response, he says to the one who came back, he didn't pat the one on the back who came back in great gratitude. You know what he asked him? What do you say? Where's the others? Where, where, where are the nine? Where are there not ten? Where, where are the nine? Where are the others? And, and that kind of indicates that Jesus expected Gratitude. But he didn't always get it. In fact, when you read through the New Testament, it's often missing. Uh, the life of Christ, Jesus, three years of ministry, right? And during those three years, pay attention here, we're going to get real practical in just a little bit. But during those three years of ministry, you'll hear, you'll find that Jesus done, he, he, he helped people, healed people, fed people, taught people, yet few people ever came back and thanked them. Few people. In fact, in fact, even the disciples early on lacked that, that attitude, you know, that I think was important. That Jesus, that, that attitude of gratitude, you know, for the things that God has done in their lives. Eventually, eventually they caught on. And you begin to hear overtones, you know, when you begin to watch and witness their lives. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 1. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Apostle Paul. In fact, when you read through the book of Colossians, uh, it has the most references to being grateful, praiseful, thankful. Apostle Paul wrote, of course, the book of, of Colossians. And I think this, I think that gratitude is always the most appropriate response, but it's got to be intentional. Are you with me? Got to be intentional. Thank you. Thank you. They're kind of like important words, aren't they? Thank you. And we're taught from a child to show gratitude with our words because thank you is an expression of appreciation. Right? I mean, how many times we tell our children, say thank you. Somebody just gave them a bag of M&Ms or somebody just gave them a little something. To say thank you. Why? Well, we're trying to teach them to express their appreciation. That's the obvious. But deeper, 
when you look at Scripture in a deeper form, thanksgiving is the foundation of a lifestyle of worship. Now pay attention, I'm, t- I'm, making, I'm making a turn here. Being thankful, expressing gratitude is foundational, and it's the foundation of living a lifestyle of worship. And by the way, worship is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's not a service. It doesn't happen just at 1045 on a Sunday morning where we gather. And by the way, we're off to a pretty good start. That choir did a great job this morning. They really did. That was tremendous. And I know they couldn't hear the music. So how did you know that? I kept on seeing all of them trying to get the attention of the guys up there. Give me more volume. Give me more volume. Right? My, my, right? Uh, but they did a great job. And then the music team came up, and you did a great job singing, church. Praise the Lord. So we're off to a good start. And, and now we're opening up the Scriptures, and we're still worshiping God because now we have truth. <laughs> and we're studying God's Word. And we're worshiping God through truth right now. And prayerfully, it won't end in just a couple of minutes when we walk out the back doors. Prayerfully, this worship will continue throughout the day and week. Why? Because worship's a lifestyle where we live for God, we worship God, we trust God, we are loyal to God, we serve God. That's worship. That's how it materializes. But the foundation, now pay attention right here, the foundation of worship is gratitude. It's being thankful. In fact, the psalmist kind of comprehended that truth because here's what he writes. Psalm 100, verse 4. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. In fact, prior to that, he said, come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. What's he trying to say here? Be thankful unto him. You ought to live a life of gratitude. Amen. I, I, I quoted this a moment ago, Psalm 103, another gratitude psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. That's good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff. And so cultivating this kind of an attitude, now pay attention right here, is intrinsic. And it has influence. So how many of us have been around some people that you know they're just just grateful people? I mean, they're just, just, you can tell. But then you get around some people and they they just feel as if they're entitled. Right? You know, in fact, we balk sometimes at the culture that we live in right now because, you know, a lot of the younger folks coming up. And by the way, we give a bad rap to some of the younger folks. It's older folks, too. Just have this, you know, this attitude where, you know, they're entitled to it. And if we're not careful, the church can develop that attitude and begin to live that culture. But if we develop this attitude of gratitude, it becomes intrinsic, and we get this power, and it begins to influence us. It alters our actions and our outlook, and it keeps us balanced. Because that's what we want to be, right? We want to be balanced. Paul said this in Colossians 3, in verse 15. He said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you're also called in one body, and be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. 
And so it's, it's you and I living this lifestyle where gratitude, praise and gratitude, being intentional now guides us and we become worshipful. So how do you cultivate such a heart? How do you cultivate such a lifestyle, right? That's the question. Somebody say, help me, pastor. Help me. <laughs> I want everybody to say, help me, preacher. Help me, preacher. Come on, brother, they'll help us. You're a preacher. <laughs> no, he's doc. Help me, pastor. So how do we cultivate such an attitude? Let me give you just a few suggestions. You got a pen? You got a pen? You may have never, ever heard these things before. That's not true. But let me give you just a few tips as we celebrate Thanksgiving. By the way, I I want you to know this right up front. This is my all-time favorite holiday. I like Thanksgiving better than my own birthday. I really do. I love Thanksgiving. It's always been my favorite holiday. And I'm looking forward to this week. It's spent with family. You get to eat great food. And as a Christian, I mean, it just, you know, it just magnifies the fact that people do focus their attention on a little bit more. Right? So how do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Let me give you just a couple tips. First and foremost, top of the list, learn to count your blessings. I told you you never heard these things before. Learn to count your blessings. Now, this might seem a little bit shallow, maybe kindergartenish, but when was the last time you just took out a piece of paper and began to count your blessings? When was the last time you just wrote down some of the things that you're thankful for? Hello? When was the last time, now look up here for a second, when was the last time you listened to yourself? Huh? Huh? Right? I said to my dear sister here just a little bit ago, and uh, I'm just, just making conversation, because last week we talked a little bit about the weather. And so I said to her today, I said, a little cold out there, right? Huh? And she said to me, but the sun is shining. That changes everything. How, how could I say, yeah, but? Yeah, but it's cold. She'd have said, but the sun is shining. But I don't care because it's cold, but the sun is shining. Huh? Right? When was the last time you complained about your job and forgot, I got a job? I got a job. But I got a job. When was the last time you complained about your wife or your, your husband or your children? But you got a wife, you got a, you got a husband, you got children. And if you got grandchildren, you know you're blessed beyond measure. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right? Grandchildren make you rich. <laughs> Kids make you poor, but grandkids make you rich. <laughs> you know? Right? Amen? So when was the last time you just sat down and, and just began to count your blessings? You know, the songwriter, he ha- he, I mean, he had his finger on it. You know, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But more than that, it just has a way of influencing your attitude. Man, God's been good to me. Had to go in for a medical test not long ago, a week or so ago. And the doctor sat down with me and they did the pre-screening kind of a situation, right? And he's asking me, so do you, what medications do you take? Other than Prozac, none. And... 
you ever had, you ever had, ever had? I said, Doc, you can put no to everything. Let's just get cut to the chase. I got nothing going on. And I don't want you to tell me any different. I didn't come here today for you to ruin my perfect environment. But I was thankful at my age. I mean, I'm an old dude. I got nothing happening. My blood pressure was good. And, and then they did some internal tests and everything was where it should have been. And nothing was growing where it should have been growing. And I walked out of there and I said, praise the Lord for good health. Huh? And so when was the last time you, you just made a list and, and marked up? And when was the last time you revised that list? So how do you develop, Pastor? How do you cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Well, you count your blessings. How good God's been to you and I. Amen? Learning to be thankful takes practice. And then I think this. I think if we were to make a list, neat little list, I think number two would be practice humility. Practice humility. You know, gratitude is a relative of humility. Because in order to be grateful, you must acknowledge, in order to show gratitude, you must acknowledge that you're on the receiving end. Right? Uh, my birthday just passed. Dave didn't give me anything for my birthday, so I didn't thank him. I didn't walk up and say, hey, Dave, it was my birthday last week. Thanks for not giving me anything. Now I'm just joking around. But if Dave would have given me something, I'd have walked up and in acknowledgement for something received, I would have said thank you. You know what? It, it takes a little bit of humility to recognize that you're on the receiving end. Hello? But I got to go back to what I said a moment ago about this society of entitlement where there are individuals where you do things for them and they just, they just their, their whole attitude is, that should have happened that way. I deserve that. Right? It's not thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Isn't it humbling when someone thinks of you? Huh? I mean, just this morning, just this morning, can I just be transparent? Just this morning, normally, by 9.30 on Sunday morning, one of our members walks into my office with freshly baked goodies. Bob Smith, I've come to look forward to that. I'd rather see that happen more than even coming to church. <laughs> and so this morning at 9.30, she didn't show up. I saw her husband back there, and I was almost that close to saying, is your wife here? <laughs> because if she is, something's missing in my office. But I didn't. Right, Tyler? I didn't. We were both sitting there wondering, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, man, alive. I mean, I hope she's not sick. Because if she's sick, I don't get no goodies this week. And then right around 1030, here comes Sister Goodie Bag <laughs> with my goodies. And I said, man, <laughs> I was getting worried. I was going home today without anything. You know, it's going to be my dinner. Whatever she made was going to be lunch. Are you with me? And I say that to say this. You know, 
She, she doesn't have to do that, right? But when she does, it causes me to sit back and say, this dear woman thought about me, right? There's a song that goes like, you know, sacrificed her time, you know? And, and then just baked me, that's humbling. Did you ever get a card in the mail by somebody and just think, man, they thought about me this week. They didn't have to do that. Somebody walks up and says, hey, Donald, man, you're on my heart this week. I prayed specifically for you. Isn't that humbling to think, me, I was on your mind? So how do you cultivate this attitude? I'll tell you what you do. First, you count your blessings, and then, and then you, you, know, you just practice humility. Here's the third suggestion. Be reciprocal. Be reciprocal. What does that mean? You know, being grateful means you're not always on the, on the receiving end. Right? I mean, I know it's probably old phraseology now because phrases change every day. But how many times have we heard this of late about paying it forward? Right? Pay it forward. What's that mean? It means this. Look here. Don't be labeled as a taker. You know, being, you know, expressing gratitude means this. You're able to give as well. You know, you want to be reciprocal. And I'll be honest with you. I like where in the Bible it says it's better to give than to receive. There is, it's, it, there's, there's just more joy in doing that. Now, you've got to be able to receive in order to give. But if all you want to do is be a receiver, you're missing out. You're missing out on the total package there. Learn how to be reciprocal. So, Pastor, I don't have a lot. You don't need a lot. You'd be surprised. I mean, you know, there was a lady in my in the church I just pastored in Florida, and, and, and she didn't have a lot. But she used to make handmade cards that took time, you know? And I don't know if she's watching or not, but, and I don't want to say anything negative about it, but they, they weren't Hallmark cards, you know? It wasn't the fanciest writing. Are you with me? I mean, she may, have, she may have just taken a little button from her little sewing kit, you know, and glued it on and as a smiley face. And, but think about it. That individual took time out of her day and energy to put together something to give to somebody else. Huh? I mean, to tell you, look here, I've had... I don't know if any young people in here, some teenagers are. I've had some teenagers and some young people come up to me at the end of the service and they find out what my favorite candy is and they just give me a little, you know, size, you know, little bag of M&M peanut butter. Little bag of M&M peanut butter. I would never say what my favorite candies are, but those little bags of M&M peanut butter. Now, I promise you, I can't eat that stuff no more. I, I just can't. I, I love it, but I can't eat it. Um, Donna eats it all the time. I, I can't. Uh, but so, but then it just come up and just, man, just run up, Pastor, this is for you. Now, look here. I know, I know maybe mom or dad instigated that, which is a good thing because you're teaching your children how to be givers rather than takers. And man, I just make the world, oh man, my favorite candy, thank you for thinking of me. But I really do mean that. Are you with me? There's just something about being reciprocal. Because the world in which we live, it's always give, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, right? We're takers. Years ago, I had a call a husband and wife into my office and had a couple of deacons there with me just in case it broke out into a fight. 
And I had to look him in the eye, and, and, and after listening to him once again, I had to say to them, and, and they took great offense to this, and I knew they would, but I had to say it to them. I had to say to them, after pastoring you for several years, I've come to realize that you're nothing but takers. And, and you don't just take, you know, monetary things and physical things, but you, you rob people of joy. You rob people of energy. You keep taking from this congregation. And it's got to stop somewhere. You've got to stop being such a taker. Didn't go over that big, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> they got upset. I was looking at the deacons making sure they were ready to tackle the wife because the husband was just sitting there. The wife was getting irate. But it was true. I would have never said it if it wasn't true. And they just kept taking from the congregation. And I don't mean monetary things. Visitors would come in, and she would be the first one that would go and attach herself to a visitor and say something like this, you know, excuse me, ma'am, but we don't dress like that around here. Huh? A fellow with ink would come in, you know, maybe he's got ink on his neck, and they would come in and look at him and say, you, you, next time you come, you need to cover that up. They're takers. Are you with me? How do you cultivate this attitude of gratitude? You count your blessings, you practice humility, you try to be reciprocal. Can I give you one final one and we'll finish? Stay close to the Lord. <laughs> Just stay close to the Lord. Let me give you some suggestions. Uh, read your Bible. Yes, amen. I mean, read your Bible on a regular basis. Get yourself a Bible and open it up every day and begin to read, read the Psalms. Man, nothing. I read a Psalm a day. I promise you, every single day of my life, I read a Psalm. Today, I read Psalm, uh, just this morning, Psalm 80, speaking about, you know, revival there. The psalmist is asking God, please, please turn us again. Turn us again. Turn your face back upon us. It blesses my heart when I read the Psalms. Read the Proverbs. Get into the New Testament. I'm reading through 2 Corinthians. What a great book in the Bible. You know? And you know, sometimes I can't, can't, I can't get past one or two verses. My mind is just drawn to it. But nowhere in the Bible says you have to read the whole chapter. Right? Because when I read my Bible, I want my Bible to read me. Stay close to the Lord. Read your Bible. Attend church. Stay in fellowship with the Lord. That'll keep your heart tender. Right? Keep your heart tender. It'll keep your mind focused. Why? I'll tell you why. Because praise and gratitude are intentional. They're deliberate. Are you with me? And, and you got to be able to think before you thank and ponder before you praise and Remember, before you rejoice, it's intentional. So what did, Jesus, what did Jesus teach? Look here. Whatever Jesus taught, Jesus did. Do you hear that? Whatever he taught, he did. Uh, he was grateful to the Father, and so he sets an example for his followers to follow. And I think this, in this season of thanksgiving, we ought to follow his example. I like what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse 18. Flip it, fellows. It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. Two things about that verse. Some people would say, Pastor, so what's the will of God for my life? Well, I can, I can say this with certainty. Part of it is to be thankful. 
Huh? So how do you know that? In everything, give thanks, for this is the… Pastor, what's the will of God for my life? Part of it is for you and I to have an attitude of gratitude. And then the second thing here I think we need to know, it says, in everything, give thanks. It didn't say give thanks for everything. Hello? I mean, you know this, right? They just found a tumor on, on, on my wife's left breast. Well, I, I, we didn't get down and say, oh, God, thank you for that tumor. You're so good to us. No, we just said, Lord, you're good. We have a tumor. We know you're going to work through this. We're not sure how. We're not sure what the deal is, but you didn't bring us this far to leave us here. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you and I in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's it right there. If we can just develop that attitude, I think it'll change our lives. And so here's what I want us to do. A little exercise. Right now, I want you to bow your head with me. Don't doze off. And don't shut me down. But right now, I just want you to just right now make up a just a mental list of things that you're absolutely positively thankful for. Would you do that? Would you go ahead and do that? Just make a mental list. It could be a short list. It'll be a growing list. But would you, would you do that mental exercise right now? Listen, I know there's some folks that are struggling right now, going through some health issues or monetary issues or relational issues. I get it. They're going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> All those problems will be there when you lift up your head. But right now, would you just make that list? Our heads are bowed. How many have made a list in your mind? You got a mental list right now. Would you slip your hand up nice and high? I got that mental list, Pastor. I got some things I'm really thankful for. All right, look at me. Look at me. On the count of three, I want everybody on the count of three to just verbally, go ahead, start stating your list. All right? I know it's going to sound crazy, but you ready? One, two, three. Go ahead. Nice and loud. Come on. Keep going. Loud. Keep going. Tyler, start complaining right now. Start complaining. Go ahead. Complain. Keep, keep going. Come on. Come on. Come on. You can't hear a word he's saying. How many can hear what he's saying? You know why? Because the, praiser, the praising, the gratitude, the attitude was greater than that. If you can only believe there's power, there's power in praise, there's power in gratitude. It's intrinsic, and it will help us to live a lifestyle of worship. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.